श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए ग्रंथराज श्रीमद् भागवतम की जाए भूत प्रेमानंदे श्री गुरु श्रीमद् भागवतम फर्स्ट कैंटो सेकंड चैप्टर रीडिंग द सेक्शन ऑफ दिस चैप्टर इन व्हिच सेजेस आंसर द बेसिक क्वेश्चंस और सूत्र को सामने आई शुड से has answered the questions of the sages posed in the first chapter and in this particular section the different stages of bhakti are being described again these are the seed verses from the bhagavatam that uh, from from which rupa goswami drew his verses in bhakti rasamrita sindhu that outline the different stages of bhakti from faith to sadhu sangha what is sadhu sangha who can say association. association with saintly persons from initial faith to sadhu sangha to bhajana kriya means in the context of the sadhu sangha finding our guide and learning systematically the practice from bhajana kriya on our dhanavritti unwanted things come out and one comes to the stage of nishta which one's practice is steady uninterrupted it turns from there into a ruchi taste a taste food become medicine becomes food then the medicine of the name the chanting the practices become like food hmm? just like when you have jaundice then sugar cane tastes bitter although it's sweet but it's a cure for for jaundice in india so if you take it gradually the jaundice goes away and what happens the sweetness that was always there in the cane is tasted so similarly with harinam first it becomes like medicine you should chant chant to cleanse your heart and so forth so on as the disease of ignorance is removed then the taste that was always there comes an attachment to bhakti develops and an attachment to this object of bhakti to krishna in a particular form it's called asakti and this is the end then of bhakti in practice sadhana bhakti when it graduates to bhava bhakti bhakti in, in ecstasy and from bhakti in ecstasy we come to bhakti in love of god prem so these are the stages and here in this section of the bhagavatam as i say there are seed verses from which are acharyas the goswamis the original teachers of the lineage have drawn out these stages in other books they've described them in great detail <clears throat> all of their teachings are based on this book the bhagavatam this is the main book chaitanya mahaprabhu embraced it as his own heart shrimad bhagavatam is about krishna but it's particularly about krishna in terms of krishna's um love for radha or the love of radha for krishna love of radha for krishna corresponds with krishna the fullness of the absolute her love is full so the, the 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 object of her love is the fullest manifestation of of the godhead the more full love the more complete and full the object of love so it's about radha krishna it's about radha's love for krishna really hmm? and that love comes to us through the guru parampara so 
<clears throat> who teaches us the practices of bhakti, which are all constituted of that love and potent, powerful practices. Indeed, uh, the sarup, siddha, bhakti, the direct practices like hearing and chanting have power to affect us even if we don't know what they mean. What to speak then, the implication is, if I understand them, I have faith in them, what, what will be the result then? Hmm? That leads to then systematic practice, faithful practice, well-reasoned practice, and so forth. So, with regard to practice, that is called sadhana bhakti, and as I say, when we graduate from sadhana bhakti, we come to bhava bhakti, and that's what the verse we were discussing, we discussed in our last class, is about. It's about... Baba and about Prayam. Hmm? We discussed a little bit about Baba, but there's more to be discussed. The verse says, Evam prasana manaso bhagavad bhakti yogata bhagavad tattva vijnana mukta sangha sajayate. First line, Evam prasana manaso. It means, manaso means mind, prasana means joyful. Evam prasana manaso. So, the mind becomes enlivened. Prabhupada uses the term here, joyful, enlivened. We made the point that this, when the devotee attains bhava, that um, there, the bhakti vritti, vritti is like a wave, if you will, in, in an ocean. So if, if there's tsunamis in the ocean, you've got to stay away from the shore. If it's a calm day, like you see at Samara Beach often and near Madhavan, then uh, you can go out and swim for miles, like your father would like to go out and swim way out in the ocean. Hmm? So, uh, to remove all the vrittis of the world, so to speak, the constructs of the mind formed by identification with sense objects, hmm? That is like a very tsunami, <laughs> a very big, uh, stormy ocean, ocean of emotions. So to become, to stop that identification means to make that ocean placid, calm, no waves, peaceful, calm. But if we do that in the context of bhakti, what happens is that at this point in bhava bhakti, the bhakti vritti, the wave of bhakti comes on the mind. Bhakti has been described by Rupa Goswami in his seminal book about the path. He called bhakti rasamrita sindhu. So he described bhakti as a sindhu, means ocean, of rasa, of ecstasy. Of, of uh, Rasa has a fluid meaning too. It means like, like the juice, the essence, the... So it has a liquid kind of connotation. Uh, Bhagavatam begins with Nigamakopaturogalitam Palam Shukumukadamrata Drabasam Bitam Pipata Bhagavatam Rasam Alayam Muhurho Rasikabhuvi Bhavukaha. It says the Vedas are like a tree from which you can get all knowledge. Actions require knowledge that they be informed. So all knowledge. But this Bhagavatam, and there are many so books of knowledge, the Vedas, is like the ripened fruit of the tree, Nigamakopatrogalitam Falam. 
Galitam phalam means phalam means fruit, and galitam means like fallen on the ground. It's so ripe, it's so easy to get. Also, you don't have to climb up high in the branches where you might fall off. Hmm? So implication is in other paths there may be problems. If you don't do everything right on the karma marg, perform the sacrifice perfectly right, you won't get the result. You may get the opposite result. You may get, just like if you do the experiment wrong in the lab, you may get a face full of black smoke hmm? instead of the desired result. So similarly in the karma marg, which is about acquisition of material things and very much involves things and so forth. So that is a uh, troublesome path. And of course the fruits are only limited and temporary, even if you do get them. And in the Gyan Marg, the path of, of knowledge for its own sake, then there are so many things that have to be in place in order to, to, to practice. And Krishna says, It's difficult, very difficult path, very troublesome. Hmm? Bhakti, by contrast, is very easy. Hmm? Therefore, this example is given. It's the ripened fruit, which is the one you really want. And it's galitam. It's fallen at the base of the tree. So, so if you try in bhakti, you cannot fall, hmm? so to speak. Speaking about this kind of bhakti, in his summary of the whole book, Bhagavad Gita, in the second chapter, Krishna says, Neha this, this path of prem dharma, bhakti, that I'm speaking about here in brief, when I start to speak about yoga, when he starts to speak about yoga, he starts to speak about bhakti. When he ends speaking about yoga, he speaks about bhakti. What does he say at the end of his discussion on yoga? Yoginam bhapisarvesham madgatinantaratpanam. The best kind of yoga is to love me. Make a heart connection with me. Mind will automatically follow that. Physical action will automatically follow the heart. Heart's like a chariot on which the body and the mind ride. Wherever it goes, they follow. And... Krishna, of course, is appealing to the heart. So, bhakti. So, he says, anyway, a little progress in this path uh, is never lost. Whatever is gained is never lost in this path. And a little endeavor in this saves one from the greatest danger. Hmm? Prabhupada used to say, if we make one step towards Krishna, Krishna takes ten steps towards us. So if we somehow try to become Krishna's devotee, then he, then he's, he, 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 some special consideration is there. After all, karmi, the karma marg and the jnana marg, they want things from Krishna. Karma marg means, God, give me something. Give me my daily bread. Get me fed. Get me a husband. Get me a wife. Give me this. Give me that. Give me, give me. It's kind of a childish path. Hmm? Children are always asking for something. Want, I want. And the Gyan Marg is, is a path of knowledge in which we realize what? That wanting things is a problem. Hmm? So we stop wanting and we stop t- 
taking the trouble to do anything either. So it's like, if I can't have it, I'll sit in the corner <laughs> and pout. The Ghanis, they do a lot of pouting. They get angry. <laughs> Bhakti acknowledges the fact that as a jiva, as a soul, we have something to do. We are a part. So we have a relation. We're not the whole. A partial view of ourselves is to see ourselves as the whole, as the experiencer. And what is the value of the experience without the experiencer? It doesn't exist. So matter, the experienced, in relation to the experiencer, consciousness, doesn't have a lot of value, unless we lend value to it, so to speak, by experiencing it. That's what gives it value. So in the Ganmarg, we think like they think like this, and they think, "I'm the I'm I'm it. Consciousness is it. This is the real thing, and I am that." So it's partial knowledge. We are different from matter. We're infinitely more significant, in a sense, than matter. We give meaning to matter, but um, there's something else that matters. And that is the fact that if we were everything, how would we find ourselves in this condition? And so we refine the idea. Yes, we're consciousness, but we're the spark of the fire, ray of the sun. And so we have a relationship with the whole. And because the whole is maintaining, the part should have some gratitude. And we can show gratitude by service. By reciprocation, reciprocation ultimately culminates in in love, isn't it? Rather, so, so bhakti is a loving path, and um, in it we realize we have something to do. Hmm? So we don't sit idly in the corner. We don't try to take for our own sake. We don't pout because we can't have everything for ourselves. We acknowledge to whom things belong, and we become the friend of the person who owns everything. That's a good position to be in. <laughs> Uh, we don't go after him for anything, but rather only to acknowledge that everything belongs to you and use everything in his service. And he thinks, you don't want anything from me. I want you. If someone doesn't want anything from you, they just want to give to you. What do you want? You want that person. This is So this is a way, you see, to get the Godhead to come after us. Hmm? What is our hope to go after him? We are so small. Hmm? Earth is tiny spark of dust in the universe, but to speak of us. And the source of everything we're going to chase after and capture? No. But I've given an example before of magnets. If you have a very big positive magnet and a very tiny positive magnetic flake, what happens? You try to put them together and the flake will be pushed this way. So Krishna is the pusher, so to speak. He's big, the maintainer. He, all, he's the source of all energy. We're just a tiny energetic part. If we take on the position of being positive, the pusher, then we'll be repelled. If we acknowledge we're a negative flake, so to speak, then we'll be drawn in like that. Negative means say, some humility, Rather trying to, to rather than trying to assert and and acquire and um, 
uh, uh, rule over, so to speak, uh, to acknowledge our smallness. This uh, uh, draws the attention of Bhagavan. So this is the path of bhakti. We recognize we have something to do. Hmm? So, um, on this path, then, after clearing the negative, the desire for acquiring and so forth, after coming to self-knowledge in the context of bhakti and clearing the material vrittis from resulting from material identification from the mind, then this bhakti vritti proper comes on. This is bhava bhakti. It comes on. Evam prasana manasa. It takes over the mind. What example did we give? If you take an iron rod, you put it in that fire and pull it out and touch you, you say, why did you touch me with that iron rod? And you say, you burnt me. So the iron rod acts like fire. So the mind becomes... Uh, this bhakti vritti takes over the mind and the body hmm? of, the, of the devotee in, in bhakti and ecstasy. And so... He's not sitting still, or she's not sitting still. There's a lot of now spiritual emotion centered on the perfect object of love, Krishna. Just like you have emotions based on identifying with material objects, people, and things, and so forth. And it causes your life to go round and round and round. So the same to the bhakti, but it's blissful. Because it's centered on, on a permanent, permanent object and a perfect object of love, to whom giving our love, uh, who is capable of reciprocating. We can give our love to material things, but what, to what extent can they reciprocate? Even to our loved ones, so forth, they have to pass away, so then what? Hmm? So, bhakti vritti, this is bhakti, this is bha- comes in bhava bhakti. Evam prasana manaso, the mind is taken over. We spoke about how bhakti is described in Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, again, Rupa Goswami described it as an ocean of rasa, an ocean of liquid ecstasy, that fruit from the tree that's ripened. He says, drink the fruit. The Bhagavatam, it has no pit, it has no, no pulp, it's just pure juice. Just drink it. And what happened, you, it's so intoxicating, you pass out. What do you do when you get up? Drink again. Hmm? It's an elixir of, uh, of bhakti rasa. So this is what the devotees do again and again and again. They relish this. Hmm? All in bhava bhakti. This relishing really comes in bhava bhakti. Some relishing in sadhana bhakti, but some medicine taking is there. It's more, more, more prominent. In sadhana bhakti, in bhakti, in practice, then we, we, we pray to be, sub, to be surrendered, to to give up our false attempts to maintain ourselves and to protect ourselves and be dependent upon Krishna and so forth, to reign in our mind and our senses and and uh, so forth, to 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 strengthen our faith, which may be tender, and we and in that respect we hear from the sadhus, the saints, we hear from the scripture, we hear the logic and. It strengthens our faith and our resolve and our practice. This is sadhana bhakti. And when we attain bhava, then there's a longing. Hmm? 
there's no more worry about such things that we find in sadhana bhakti. The concern is the object of my love has come into view and I long to be united with, with Krishna in a particular way, just like some of his friends or his, his uh, associates in yeah, I hear about in the Leela and so forth. I want to follow that in that way. So this is the predominant kind of sensibility in uh, in Baba Bhakti. From Sadhana Bhakti to Baba Bhakti. We heard in Bhakti Rasamrita to Sindhu how there's an aspect of Bhakti called Bhava. Hmm? Bhava Rup, Cheshta Rup. Cheshtarup means the activities performed with the senses. They may not be bhakti per se, but they, they're part of bhakti in a sense. Like I give an example of what? If you want to do a fire sacrifice, then you need ingredients. So getting the ingredients is not the sacrifice, but the sacrifice won't, be, won't happen without the ingredients. So in Sadhana Bhakti, we follow the example of other great devotees. We... we um, see how they conduct themselves. We try to conduct ourselves in a similar way and so forth. It's kind of an apprenticeship. Kriti sadhya bhavet sadhya bhava sadhana sadhana abhidha. So uh, the activities with the, the form of bhakti performed with the senses, like hearing and chanting and so forth, they um, are what's called sadhana bhakti and they lead to bhava bhakti. Where in those same activities are performed, but with emotion, with in ecstasy. The definition of bhakti given by Rupa Goswami in the first chapter of his book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, we found the word Krishna Anushilanam and the verbal root Shila, which meant two things. It implied an activity of service and an inactivity. The activity of service refers more to the sadhana active stage and the and the uh, yeah, this is that a, a, an internal emotional state, which means bhava bhakti. So we skip then to the second chapter of Bhagavad Sindhu, where the verse I just cited comes from, describing sadhana bhakti as that which begets bhava bhakti. Which bhava bhakti is the goal of sadhana bhakti. In between that, or in the context of discussing that, we also said that. Well, because this Baba Bhakti is very extraordinary in that it not only removes the, the vrittis from the mind, but it puts bhakti vritti on there, different from other paths, which just stop at clearing the mind and making that ocean peaceful. Hmm? Um, when speaking about that, we cited the fact that Baba Bhakti makes something um, makes small of liberation. In other words, after liberation is achieved in the context of bhakti, there's still more to achieve. This bhava develops into prema, and there are developments within prema, and so on. So it's uh, it's a post-liberated kind of a practice, this Baba Bhakti. Baba Bhakti is a kind of practice and it's a kind of perfection. Sadhana Bhakti is a kind of practice and Prema Bhakti is a kind of perfection and Baba Bhakti is a kind of practice and a kind of perfection. It's the perfection of Sadhana Bhakti but it's a practice 
in that um, Bhava Bhakti when it's attained offenses committed to Bhakti in the sadhana stage will still remain waiting to be absolved so to speak that's why we guard caution so much about these as I said before it's one thing it's a sin of the flesh another thing a sin of the soul so to speak so we may have material desires we may succumb to something uh, shortcoming or something like that that is one thing but then to offend for example the holy name that has come so mercifully to us or to offend the guru so this is a different thing these aren't material desires which are impediments to our progress because of our attachments these are like roadblocks that we put in the way like we, we offend the very we, we bite the hand that feeds us so that hand is going to be a little cautious so these things, this should be avoided. That's why, as I say, the fences are sins of the soul. They carry their repercussions into Baba Bhakti, which is a land of the soul. When you enter Baba Bhakti, you're in the world of spiritual emotions now. You're in the body, but you're in that world internally. But something holds you back from going the entire distance, and that is the repercussions of offenses to the deity, to the name, to the guru, to Vaishnavas and so forth over different lives of practicing that may have accrued due to our inattention to the practice, due to our, well, conditioning and so forth. It's kind of a given. Hmm? They are to be cautioned against, but hmm, Baba Bhakti is a practice that waiting for those repercussions of offenses to be absolved and the ongoing culture of prema. Hmm? So it's a practice and it's a perfection. You're there, in, you're in a liberated condition hmm? that there's more to be done in order to attain prema. So the point being what? That one of the qualities of bhakti is that it makes liberation seem insignificant in comparison. Hmm? Another one is that it's very rarely achieved. These two out of six qualities of bhakti pertain to bhava bhakti. So this is also mentioned in the first chapter of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the terms. In the commentaries, they've been tied to bhava bhakti. In other words, in sadhana bhakti, there's two things that we should expect will happen. Kleshagni shubhada. Kleshagni means that, uh, that Suffering will end. Suffering means the parabda, the suffering from our karma that's bearing fruit, the desires that are in our heart that will eventually fructify in the form of manifest karma, and the ignorance that's the basis of all karmic repercussions. These things are removed. A devotee still may experience happiness or distress in, in sadhana bhakti, but it's of a different order. And this happens in naishtiki bhakti. When bhakti is in the stage of nishta, when there's no interruption in one's service and so forth, then what? The repercussions of karmic implications, in other words, on unwanted things from good karma or bad karma. 
are overcome. Hmm? So in Naishtiki Bhakti, in this stage, of, hmm, then uh, we can say suffering is removed. You still may be happy or sad, there may be some pain and so forth, but this is all then thought to be under the direction of, 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 uh, of Krishna. Devotees hmm? feel happiness as a, is, is, a, is a natural result of bhakti. They may feel some distress, but this are, these are said not to be karmic repercussions. Hmm? And then we come to ruchi, and this is the higher next stage in, in, in sadhana, bhakti, and subhada. One becomes, uh, well, it's a kind of auspiciousness. Hmm? Uh, good qualities and people like them naturally and uh, and uh, and so on and so forth. You become popular. <laughs> Subhada, Subhada. And then coming to Bhava Bhakti. Hmm? This quality of the rareness. Sudulava, very rare. In other words, very difficult to attain this Bhava Bhakti comes into play. And the fact that it makes liberation look like a small thing because there's still so much to be done. It's insignificant. I'm liberated, but well, that's the goal of some paths. Devotees come there in the context of pursuing another goal, so it makes it small in comparison. The fact that it's rare, difficult to obtain, means that two things. It means it's not attainable by any other sadhana than bhakti. There are different kinds of sadhana in yoga and jnana. Uh, this path and that path is where you will not get Baba Bhakti by any of these paths or by mixing any of these paths into bhakti. So in spite of much effort in sadhana, you will not get it. That means effort in other types of sadhanas. You have to be ekant, ekant, exclusive in bhakti practice to get that goal. That is one thing. And second thing that it means it's difficult to obtain means that you will not attain bhava bhakti until practicing with attachment for Krishna. Now we're practicing with attachment for other things <laughs> and trying to let go. So you will not get bhava bhakti in that stage. It means you will have to go through the stage of ruchi. You'll have to come to the stage of asakti. Asakti means attachment. We have an identity, and it's based on our attachments, largely. I, you know, smoke Marlboro, so I'm that guy on the horse coughing in the pasture. <laughs> That's how I, you know, see myself. And if you put that picture up there, I'll buy. Or, you know, I'm this kind of a car, or I'm that kind of a, you know, house, or I live in this kind of a place. All these attachments very much form our identity. Our sense of I is largely derived from our sense of my. Hmm? So two letters M-Y, they make a very illusory I, because hmm? attachments can't be held on to. So that's why we're always in crisis. Who am I? Why? Because my identity is based on my attachments, and, uh, and, and they're slipping through my hands. So I think I'm attached somewhere else, and so on and so forth. So, <clears throat> asakti, it means attachment, but it's attachment to Krishna. After we become attached to bhakti in the stage of ruchi, 
then we become to attach to the object of bhakti, Krishna. And this attachment also forms an identity. So an, an identity of, I'm the friend of Krishna, I'm the lover of Krishna, starts to awaken in the heart. And when we practice with this kind of attachment, then Vah will come. This is what it means, that it's sudurlab, rare. We said, quoting the Gita, what? Manusyanam zhasreshu kastrit yatati siddhaye yadam apisidhanam kastinam vetisatvata Manusyanam zhasreshu First thing was what? Human life, manusya, very rare. We talked a little bit about that. Difficult to get a human birth. And in the context of human birth, to get sadhu sangha. You've got everything you need then. You have the, the boat and the captain. Human life is the boat to take you across the ocean of material troubles. And sadhu, saintly person, is the captain on the ship to get you to the other side, to guide the boat. Very rare to get human life, and in the context of that, to get sadhu sangha. The ocean of material existence is crossed very easily. See how far we've come. We've got a human life. I said the other night, but how many other species are there in the room? So many. Just a few humans. And how many humans are there in Mendocino? So many. How many here? Sadhu Sangha, we're engaged in Sadhu Sangha, very rare. So we've come a long way. We should not be discouraged. We've come a long distance. We have everything we need now to go the, the balance of the journey. All this is all you need. You've wandered so far in the material world to achieve a human birth. And then in the context of that, to get a good guide. Hmm? I've quoted before, my brother, God brother Vishnu John used to say, the distance we have traveled thus far in our material sojourn is far greater than the distance we have to go from this point, having met our Gurudev, onward. And that's a small distance. It may seem large, but we have to have a perspective and stand back. One of my godbrothers said to Pujapatrida Maharaj on his veranda one morning, Guru I don't think I'm making much progress. He said, not much progress. Jalajana Balakshani, he quoted this verse from the Purana. There are so many aquatic forms of life. There are so many reptile forms of life. There are so many plant forms of life. So many animal forms of life. And so many human forms of life, each smaller, smaller, smaller. And in a human form of life, you got guru. You haven't made any progress. How can you? So he had a whole <laughs> different perspective on that. You've come so far now. The distance here is, is short. Hmm? So these are the two two of the qualities of Baba Bhakti. There, it is difficult to achieve, and it is makes liberation look like a small thing. That should not discourage us. And we should be encouraged. We are on such a path that makes liberation look like a small thing. Other paths are fixed on that alone. They are fixed on that alone, and therefore the means to achieve that 
which is the removal of the negative implications, is weak in comparison to a path that that happens as a byproduct of. See, that is a much more powerful and comprehensive path because it's giving more. Hmm? The lesser thing is easily included within it. So liberation, like for people like Uddhava, Krishna's friend in, in, uh, in Mathura, he said, huh, our renunciation is this. We will wear the vestments of Krishna. When the, when the deity is finished wearing them, we will wear them. We will eat the food offered to Krishna, the royal food offered to Krishna. That's our renunciation. Anyway, so people are living naked with ashes only, sitting by the fire at noon, dipping in the cold river Ganges in, in the month of um, Mog, or earlier, January, cold up to the neck, in order to cross over the dualities of hot and cold. So this is, it's a difficult path. We'll just take prasadam, <laughs> Uddhava said. <laughs> this is our renunciation. We won't eat anything that's not offered to Krishna. Hmm? We'll take his remnants. And this, this, this in itself will... This is our renunciation. Hmm? We'll avoid things that aren't favorable to bhakti. We'll do all the things that are favorable to bhakti. Hmm? Whatever is accomplished by those paths will be easily accomplished by us. And more. If you eat the food of someone only, then you develop qualities like that person. Hmm? That's natural. If you associate, so in bhakti we grow by sangha, by association. In jnana mark we grow by renunciation. Renunciation is part of bhakti, but it's a renunciation that, that comes about as a result of focusing on something positive, hmm? not just focusing on the negative to get rid of it. What power does that have? Hmm? You understand? Focus on the negative things to get rid of them, how bad they are, and so forth. And you know, it's much more powerful to focus on something like Krishna, so beautiful, so, who is completely detached, that they can dance with the gopis and be completely selfless. Hmm. Just see. This is the example, right? Krishna's dancing with young milkmaidens. He has no, no, no selfishness there whatsoever. And the other people are just trying to keep away from the opposite sex and whatever. And, uh, it's a fo- kind of, so there's not much power focusing on the negative things that you. There's no inherent power in that. Hmm? There is inherent power in Krishna to focus on Krishna hmm? and to become attracted to him. It's not, it's not difficult. Whereby then things that have nothing to do with him, we lose interest in. This is the idea. So we grow in bhakti by sangha, and there's a kind of detachment that comes in the context of that. Granted, we have to think and say, this is not favorable to bhakti, although I like it, so I should give it up. That's then my early stage of bhakti. That's a little bit of pinching and effort there, so to speak, but an effort an effort to love, an effort to position ourselves in such a way that we'll attract Krishna's attention. Hmm? So... At any rate, in this way, this bhava bhakti, hmm? this is the goal of sadhana bhakti. Hmm? It makes liberation look small. It's rarely achieved. That should be encouraging to us because we are on the path to attain that. This sadhana bhakti, this is what it's for. Kriti sadhya bhavit sadhya bhava sa sadhana bhidha. 
Bhakti performed with the senses, that's bhakti in practice, results in bhakti and ecstasy, bhava. Now, the question comes, if I do something, and we, we ended with this last time, if, we, if I do something, if I perform an act that brings a result, and the result is something that's a, re- that, that's, that's a product of my action, it wasn't existing before, is bhava like that? No, it, it has to be something that's eternal, hmm? not something that's that's um, it wasn't there before. And, uh, so the next line comes: what? Nitasiddhasya bhavasya. This bhava, although it's attained by sadhana, it's not. It was always existing. Nitasiddhasya hmm? bhavasya. This is a verse of Rupa Goswami's that Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami has said in Bengali. Hmm? And then he's cited this verse afterwards to support it in his book, Chaitanya Charitamrita. How does he say it there? Krishna Prem Nitya Siddhya Sadhya Kabunai Shavanadi Sudhachite Kare Udai. So if we understand the meaning of this verse of Krishna's Kaviraj, we have to look at Rupa Goswami's verse, his Sanskrit verse. And his Commentary, Vishnu Chakritakur's commentary. Study that very carefully. Nitya Siddha Sivabhasya. Or in Bengali he says, Krishna Prem Nitya Siddha Sadhyakabhunai. They want to make the point that this bhakti, this bhava, and beyond that the prem, that is uh, the intensification of bhava that will be attained, is not a product of something within time. It's eternally existing, therefore it's a noble and worthy goal. Hmm? Um, so it's being differentiated from anything on the karma mark where you do something and then you, you get a result. The result wasn't there before and so on. So it's the eternally existing uh, reality. It's a tattva, this bhava. Hmm? It's something unto, it, uh, unto itself. Now comes the question. I will attain something that's different from myself. I thought I was pursuing self-realization. Hmm? Baba is something else. It's not inherent in me. Hmm? It's eternally existing. And it appears in the heart at a certain point. Krishna says it like this. Shravanadi sudha chitte Shravanadi means hearing. Shravan means hearing. Adi means etc. Hearing, chanting, remembering about Krishna, worshipping the deity, all these activities of bhakti. So by doing those, Shravanadi sudha chitte. The chitta, that organ of perception, so to speak, becomes clear. Like I said before, the brittis are removed of, the, of, of material, resulting from material identification hmm? from the mind. And then, it is, uh, what is it? Uh, Sudha Chitekkore Udai. This bhakti arises. Hmm? Arises. So sometimes it's talked about arises as if arises was inside of you and it just rose up. Hmm? Udai means like, like the sun rises. Hmm? There's a, so that's that, but that's, that understanding, without clarifying it, can be problematic because. 
is bhava, the inherent constitution of the jiva. If I remove what's covering myself, my material desires, will I have bhava? No. The jnanis do that, don't they? Yogis do that. They remove the material attachments. Do they have bhava as a result of that? They get mukti, but they don't get bhava. They bear their soul, uncovering it entirely from material obstruction and so forth, but they don't get bhava, they don't get prayed. So it must not be there. Hmm? <laughs> uh, but it's eternally existing. Hmm? So where is it existing? Well, we know it exists in, in Krishna Lila. There are paradigmatic persons who embody these bhavas. There's Krishna's friends. They embody Sakya Bhav. Hmm? Krishna's handmaids, they embody, they embody the, the rasa, the bhava, the prema of conjugal love. Krishna's servants, Krishna's parents, embodying servitude and paternal love for Krishna and so forth. For example, so it's all these paradigmatic persons we read about them, Jashoda, Nanda, Subal, Radha, and so forth. So this, this thing is going on, whether we pay attention to it or not. <laughs> it's eternally existing. This is, they are all constituted of what's called Krishna's Swarup Shakti. We are Jeev Shakti. And then there's Maya Shakti. Prabhupada calls them the internal energy, the marginal energy, the external energy. Marginal means in between the two. Maya Shakti means the material energy. That covers the jiva. The jiva starts acting like he's material. Like I'm from this country, I'm from this race, I'm from this sex, and so forth. If the jiva identifies with the swarup Shakti, the internal energy, then starts to can function in the Leela. I'm Krishna's friend, I'm Krishna's lover, and so forth. Right? So he can go either way. He's called Jeeva Shakti. So we have these three principal Shaktis. Maya Shakti, Jeeva Shakti, and the Swarup Shakti, sometimes called Antaranga, internal Shakti, Maya Shakti, Bahiranga, external Shakti, and Tatasta Shakti, Jeeva Shakti, marginal Shakti. Could go one way, could go the other way. Tata, Tatasta means like beach. So if you draw a line on the beach, between the water and the sand. Will it be dry or wet? Sometimes. <laughs> so we're like that. Our Really, our existence is largely a product of our association. We go one side or the other side. Hmm? Our identity would be a product of one or the other. But while this bhava is eternally existing in the associates of Krishna, we hear about them through the Guru Parampara, through our hearing and chanting, and so we become attracted in time as the heart becomes cleansed to a particular type of love of Krishna and so forth. We can say it's eternally existing there, but then it starts to sound like, well, my eternal identity is going to be an add-on. It's not me, per se. What am I? So this may be a, a question that, that arises. Just like my material identity is an add-on. I've added on the material energy, and so it's false. Now I'm going to add on 
Well, there's a difference here in this add-on. It's a gracious grant, for one. And that add-on is like adding our small capital. So let's say we have $10. What can I do with $10? I got an idea. I'll connect my $10 with somebody that has $100. And we'll have $110. Our purchasing power will increase. So if we connect with a bigger capitalist, then our capital will will have the potential to grow. Hmm? So we're of the nature of consciousness, and that Sarup Shakti is of the nature of consciousness. It's not like matter. Hmm? That's an artificial add-on. But if we add on ourselves, add ourselves to, if we connect ourselves with with, uh, consciousness, so to speak, it's a crude term, then... It's not artificial. Another way to explain it is this. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has used the example in Chaitanya Charitamrita. He says, if you practice bhakti, you will get a love of God, a particular relationship with Krishna. This is the wealth of the jiva. Hmm? I'll tell you a story, he told Sanatana Goswami. There was a man, and he was very poor. Hmm? Astrologer called, told him, why are you feeling sad that you're poor? You're actually very wealthy. Your parents have left you a treasure. Hmm? So go and find it. Don't look in the west, don't look in the north, don't look in the south, he said. If you look in these, you'll get these different problems. And he compared those problems to the path of yoga, the path of jnana, the path of karma. Look in the east, he said, which is the direction of the gods. And there you'll find bhakti, and there you'll find your inheritance. So now when we think about it like this, an inheritance... Well, that's you in potential. In other words, it's, that's all you can be. When you become qualified, the court says, okay, the inheritance is yours. You're now of age. Your parents left you millions of dollars, but you weren't of age. Now you are. Now it's yours. You're the same person, but your potential is, your full potential is realized. You've always had that potential. Hmm? There's a wealth, in other words, of Krishna Prem. There's a way in which Krishna would like to accept service from us. Hmm. He makes that known through Guru Parampara. Hmm. And as we come in touch with it, we feel as if it's our own desire. Hmm. So if we think like this, then it doesn't sound so much like an add-on, does it? It's an inheritance. It's our potential. So there's love is inherent within us. Potential. We have the potential to love. Matter doesn't have the same potential. We're different from matter. We have the potential. When the right circumstances, in the right environment, hmm, then this love of God can come. And then we can be all that we can be. Think of it like this, like love. Is love an add-on? Well, yeah, but no. Hmm? <laughs> it's kind of, yeah, but no. I didn't have it till I met that guy, but then it feels pretty natural, too. It's like, it's coming from me, it's coming from him, it's coming from me, it's coming from her, it's... It's uh, so we're talking about love of Krishna. So through through bhakti, Krishna kind of extends himself to us through the Guru and Parpara. It's kind of an outreach of love. We embrace that. Mm-hmm. That bhakti is constituted of this swarup shakti. So we what happens is we fall in love with Krishna. Mm-hmm. Is that artificial? Is that like is that like? Can you compare that to your material identity? 
No. It's very different. Hmm? So the act, so to speak, of falling in love, it speaks about our potential. We have the potential to fall in love in the right circumstances. A child has the potential to walk. It doesn't do so right away. <laughs> but given the right circumstances and some development, there he goes. On what runs and jumps and skips and, and so forth. Hmm? So there's a potential within us, but we need that gracious grant from the other side as well. Hmm? That Srup Shakti is made up of Ladini, Sandini, and some of it. It means like a super ecstasy, super ananda, Ladini. Hmm? Super knowing and super existence. And we are constituted of Satchit Ananda. Anu, tiny atomic particle of Sat Chit Ananda. Matter is constituted of Asat, Achit, Nirananda. It's not, it has no knowing capacity, it doesn't endure, any of its forms don't endure, it has no bliss inherent in it. Hmm? We have, we are Sat, we exist, we have Chit, cognitive power, and some little tiny bit. Anand is all atomic. Hmm? Ladini is like huge bliss, huge knowing, huge, uh, pure, ex- extraordinary existence. So Bhaktivinoda Thakur has described the Jeev Shakti as like a shadow of the Sarup Shakti. The Maya Shakti like a distortion, isn't it? Hmm? of the Sarup Shakti. So the, when he talks about it like this, this is the idea when probably uses terms like inherent. It's coming from Bhakti Vinod Thakur. Hmm? This is a way of speaking about it where you, you kind of come in between. You, you don't make the error of saying it's inherent, it's in the jiva in every way, and, and, the, and run into the problems that I talked about earlier. Hmm? If bhava was in you, then all you'd have to do is clear off the negative, and there you'd have bhava, but you don't. And they're past to do that. They don't get bhava. No, it's a gift. It's not your right. It's a gift. Hmm? But Krishna wants to give that gift. We're the one that's resisting the gift. Only. So we'll talk a little bit more about this and more about bhava bhakti and about prem bhakti in the next class. Any question? Yes. Well, if we take Nishta as an example, hmm? when Vishwam Chakotitakura comments in Bhaktivarasamrita Sindhu, or Giva Goswami, I should say, on Sudurlabh Baba being, or on, excuse me, on um, Kleshagni, the removal of suffering, hmm? he cites Bhagavatam in this section, Punya Shravana Kirtana, 
नास्तप्रायु बद्रेशु नित्यम भागवत सेवे भगवती उतमाश्लोक भक्ति भक्ति नाइष्टिकी यूज द टर्म नाइष्टिकी फ्रॉम द वर्स सो सो स्पीकिंग अबाउट द स्टेज ऑफ निष्ठा सो निष्ठा इज द स्टेज इन भक्ति व्हेन प्रेम विल कम विदाउट कमिंग देयर इट्स एन इंटरम गोल इट वोंट अगेन निष्ठा इज द स्टेज इन व्हिच अनार्थस रोड ब्लॉक सो टू स्पीक अनवांटेड थिंग्स मिसकंसीव्ड वैल्यूज resulting from good and bad karma are removed as bishop nachari takwas explained in mandari kanambini so to what ext- what extent of samarpana surrender and so forth so you can say at the stage of nishta this is starting to happen so it's very interesting because a person's moving in the world but under a certain direction of uh, of protection so to speak of of krishna Um Yeah. Another question? Yeah. I don't know if it's just rehashing an old discussion in the form, but you were talking about um offenses as a result of our conditioning and kind of natural, but speaking about it like that kind of seems in opposition to how you normally talk about it like the times of malice things like absolve yeah well so there are for example offense certain offenses to the deity hmm? shouldn't walk in the temple with shoes on or whatever there there's i think 32 of them hmm? so people may do those hmm? and the reaction for those won't they'll be small if they don't know any better hmm? they'll be absolved by their sincerity and so forth but, but the full measure of offense is really with malice with intention hmm? but it is possible that some offenses may be occur without now especially in relation to the deity hmm? and you'd say but don't do that don't do like that hmm? and so on Francis Tavishnavas and it generally means with some malice offenses to the name well they've been listed so um they may be without malice just like you may think oh the name is Krishna of Krishna is like the name of Durga or what doesn't make any difference or you may think hey you know these na- the name is so powerful it will destroy all sinful reactions therefore if i go out and commit a few sins tonight tomorrow i can make up for it so no problem that's considered offense to the name to think like that so there are mostly when i say without with malice of speaking relation of vaishnavas mm-hmm. there may be nam aparads we don't necessarily there's an offense to the name that's maintaining the bodily conception of life despite having heard so many instructions you to hold on it means when you chant you'll know i should go forward i should let go here it'll be obvious to you but you'll hold on and won't go forward then mm-hmm. problems yeah I, i guess it just seems like the whole notion of it's even i guess malice is kind of like a specific form of intent but i guess it's probably 
any of the ones that you gave examples of we're talking about intent but then so much of that intent is conditioned so like how volitional is it for someone to uh, not very yeah you're 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 offensive by by nature <laughs> <laughs> You gotta take a bath, in other words. You know, hey man, you know, it's like wow, <laughs> something like that. But bhakti is very generous, so so therefore, therefore, offense to the Vaishnava, which requires some malice for the most part, that is highlighted. You know, in other words, you enviously go against somebody, so someone advances, and it's obvious, and you just you you can't tolerate it. You have to find faults in them and so forth. This is very bad. Hmm? There are people like that. We see that even in the devotee community. They're like that. This is so we know that it happens. It's talked about and said, "Don't do that." That's very. That's very. That's why that offense is highlighted. Other offenses. That's called the mad elephant offense. The idea is that the mad elephant got loose in your garden. Oh, what would happen then? Everything would be uprooted and so forth. The mad cow offense. We have cows get loose in the garden sometimes. <laughs> Usually happens once a year. So that you want to avoid. That's been highlighted. That's been emphasized. For example, let's say you make offenses in the archon, in the deity worship. So there are certain so many offenses. But so those can all be counteracted by kirtan. But um, so they're, they're not that powerful in comparison. All right, we stop there.